Draw me nearer, amen, to thy precious side. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight. Uh, this is fantastic. It's a fantastic crowd for any night, let alone a Monday night. And uh, so glad to have a uh, hometown crowd here as well as guests and visitors that we've got. So good. This is wonderful. I, in fact, we were talking as we were uh, heading out the other night. It felt, it's a, probably the first, maybe second time, it's felt uh, like uh, pre-COVID time. You know, when people just came together and had meetings and everything and such, and I know people got to make decisions on that, but it just kind of reminded us of a good fellowship, you know, and, and such. We just enjoyed that very much. Uh, two things I'm going to mention tonight. If you are interested, uh, we have our CDs with us over at the table. And uh, by the way, uh, preacher, you get a free CD and any guest, uh, pastor, you get a free uh, item as well. And so if you just see uh, my, what's that? Guest pastor, what did I say? Oh, I don't know what I said. Uh, but uh, anyway, yes, guest pastor, did I say any guest? <laughs> wow, everybody's a guest. <laughs> anyway, uh, this CD is called God's Awake, and this is the uh, last uh, album by the whole family, and, uh, but it does have When God Ran on it. And so it's got the same harmony, same arrangement, but it's got the whole family singing it. So if you're interested in that song, that's on it, as well as um, I Believe in a Hill Called Mount Calvary, God's Awake, Prepare the Way, I Am Free, I Am Free that we sang on Sundays on this one. That'd be a blessing to you. And then I have a DVD called The Rapture, 70 Weeks of Daniel and the Mystery of the Church. And uh, really, the doctrine of the rapture is really under attack today. And it's vitally important because if you, it makes a big difference. Are you waiting for Jesus to come back or Antichrist, right? That makes a difference in how you live. It really does. Now, if you were in, in the Sunday message, you know that there are some good men and women who disagree with the timing of the rapture. I understand that. When we get to heaven, they'll find out we were right. But in all seriousness, this explains why in one message. And so that's over on our table as well. And then the last thing I'll mention, I put it around here somewhere. Uh, we have this uh, email sign-up sheet. And it uh, used to be, you know, just kind of a run-of-the-mill newsletter, prayer letter type thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But we, over this last year, have really taken our email family over and above what most people do. And I communicate with everybody. We've got probably 4,000 people and I, I email, we email back and forth like uh, just today, yesterday actually, um, uh, I sent my testimony out to folks and they, and I asked them to share their testimony back with me, you know, how did you trust Christ? And so all throughout today, I was getting emails from people telling me how they trusted Christ. I mean, isn't that great? And just stirred my heart. So uh, it's really a, a real deal here. I don't try to sell you stuff. Uh, every once in a while, we'll let you know when we have new music out. So we will do that. But this is more than just a newsletter. If this interests you, uh, this will be over at the table. I was going to send it around earlier and I forgot. I don't want to send it around while I'm preaching uh, because people might be tempted to write little pictures or whatever on it while I'm preaching. So uh, I'm just, <laughs> it's not a youth event. I don't know what I'm talking about here. But uh, in all seriousness, if that would be a blessing, just make sure you print legibly so I can understand your email address, all right? Go to Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter number three tonight. It's going to be a familiar story. In fact, I don't like calling it a story because some people think then that I think that it's made up. It's not. It's history. 
We can trust the Bible. But we're going to look at a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, when I was growing up, my dad got a cassette tape for me of a guy who would read through Bible stories and dramatize them with just his voice. I know you can get it with different actors and things like that, but this was just one guy who was narrating. And uh, so if you'll indulge me a little bit, I'm going to read this with a little bit of dramatic expression this evening. I figured it being Monday night, people wouldn't mind. All right, but that's what I'm going to do. Is this, is this, how loud is this? Is this okay? I'm not blowing anybody out? Okay, good. Well, this is a new setup for us. That's why I'm asking, all right? Because it's a bad idea to just randomly ask all the time because you'll get a million opinions, but I, I don't want to hurt your ears. Okay. <clears throat> oh, let's pray. Dear Lord, I need you. <laughs> I'm so excited about the message, Lord. I forgot to pray. Lord, forgive me of that. Because if it's done without the Holy Spirit, it's in vain. And so, Lord, I ask tonight, would you encourage us in the last 25 minutes we have tonight? Uh, I, I pray you'd send us from here encouraged and refreshed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors and captains, the judges, the treasurers and counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, Sackbut, that's a funny word, but that's trombone, in case you didn't know. Yep. Psaltery and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews they spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the prophets of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made? Well, but if ye worship not... Ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I want to stop right there tonight. See, Brother Ben, you didn't finish the story. I know. <laughs> Brother Ben, they're going to get thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. I know. Brother Ben... uh, uh, he's going to tell them he's got, they're going to heat it up seven times hotter. I know. I, in fact, how they made it hotter was they had big bellows that two men would, would, would use uh, to blow air into the furnace. And so seven times hotter meant that they would get seven bellows going at the same time to make it that much hotter. Yeah, and, then they're, and, and they're going to fall down in, and then they're not going to even get burned up. I know that's what's going to happen. And then there's going to be a fourth walking in the fire. I know that's what's going to happen. But I want to bring up something to you tonight. You know that's going to happen. I know that's going to happen. They didn't. They didn't know the end of the story. You know what, friends, tonight? I've got one point tonight. It's a real simple outline. Now it's got 16 subpoints. <laughs> I'm kidding about that. But one thought tonight on this Monday night someone, everyone worships something. And there's going to be, there are so many calls for you to worship today. We have our smart devices, our phones and our iPads. Listen, I'm not, you got one. I'm not criticizing you. I've got one, got more than one. But they call us to bow down at their feet and worship them. You say, well, I don't worship my phone. Well, if we were to see the time spent would it look like we were worshiping it? Well, that's convicting. We've got the media that wants us to worship what they want us to worship. We've got people all around us trying to tell us what we should worship. There is one and only one person that we should worship, and that is God Almighty. You know what? I'm thankful for so many things that we have in our wonderful country. I'm, I'm so grateful to be an American. Now, I, I minister and on the foreign field, and I encourage the people in those countries to have a burden for their own country. Paul had a burden for his people. I, I think one of the most effective missionary tools is supporting uh, workers that grew up in that country because they already know the language and the people and the culture. That's a really effective way. I'm for these things. 
But you know what? I don't worship my country. And there's a difference. I'm thankful for the comfort we have in today's day and age. If I were to say something is a first world problem, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, a few of you. So we live in a first world country, which has, you know, a lot of luxury in it, really. More luxury than has ever been known on the face of the earth, really, as a society. A third world country is a place where they may not know where their next meal is coming from, right? So, but what happens? Well, I get irritated when my internet's not fast enough, <laughs> right? 10 megabits, oh, <laughs> right? First world problem, right? If we're not careful, comfort can become an idol that we worship. But I want you to see something here. Verse 17, this entire account hinges on these three word, words. But if not. Friends here tonight, I want to ask you to make a commitment with me. I don't want you to take it lightly. Maybe tonight's not even the night you can make this commitment. Maybe you need to pray about it. Because we ought not take this lightly. But I believe that every Christian needs to come, a point, come to a point in their life where they say, you know what? If God does not answer my prayer according to the way I want him to, I'm still going to serve him anyway. That's a hard thing. I've been praying for our country. Have you? We need it. <laughs> and by the way, God's arm has not grown short that he cannot save. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. When I read the statistics about how many people go to church in our country, etc., etc., those statistics don't really bother me. You know why? The reason is that those statistics don't actually represent how many people really know Jesus. Because that's just how many people just go to a random church. And we don't have a lot of churches left that are preaching the gospel. So I actually think that the, more, the, the less our country is churched, the more opportunity we're going to have to find people who are not vaccinated to the truth. What is that? Well, I was just talking about this, and they've... <laughs> I have to talk about it, okay? So just stick with me and you'll find it's really not that controversial, okay? The way that vaccines are supposed to work, at least used to be, okay, is they take some of the dead polio virus, right? Dead virus, and they introduce it into your system so your system knows how to fight it, right? So that if you ever encounter the real thing, your body already knows how to fight it. Uh, I'm talking about vaccines of the past, okay? Just kind of forget about anything that might be current, okay? <laughs> But the reason I bring that up is, so many, follow me now, so many people in our country have experienced a dead form of Christianity. They are immune to the truth. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's like they've been vaccinated to the truth of the word of God. Not because God's lost his power, not because the Holy Spirit's not at work, but they think, oh yeah, been there, done that. And they've not experienced true Christianity. They've not run across a real Christian who's actually living life with, under Holy Spirit power. So listen, friend, I believe as the darkness gets darker, the light's going to shine brighter. We're going to see God do some amazing things. I really believe that. But the darkness will get darker if God doesn't move. And we have to, and the price, you talk about inflation. What about inflation in regards to the cost of being a Christian. You know, in generations past, it was kind of considered a, 
a good thing to be a Christian. You know, church people were uh, particularly, they would call men of the cloth, right? I know one guy, one police officer who just refused to ever give a speeding ticket to a, to a minister. <laughs> that has not been my experience, but... Um, <clears throat> <laughs> it's been it's been a while it's been a while all right but i do a lot of driving i'm almost dro- driven uh, a million miles so you, you figure that out that's that's a lot of driving but there used to and i'm not saying that people had to be that way but there was a certain level of respect right we're living in a post-christian america where people the name of christ is just a swear word to people and someone who calls himself a Christian, oh, oh, well, then we don't like you. We, we even might hate you because uh, you stand for absolute truth. And people want to have their own individual version of truth that they made up with their own Crayola crayons in the back room. <laughs> but if not, what if God chooses not to rescue our country? He doesn't have to. He's not bound. In fact, if you look at Romans 1, we're, we're following that pattern. God gave them up. He gave them up. He gave them over. We're seeing it all around us. I'm begging God to do something, but he doesn't have to. If not, what are we going to say? Well, we will not serve the gods of this culture. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. We didn't create ourselves. And because God created us, he has the right to set the rules. He created us male and female. And it doesn't matter what the gods of this culture say, that there are so many different genders and all this type of stuff. Listen, that goes against the word of God. I will not bow to that idol. If God doesn't move in our country and this keeps going on and on and on, they're going to try to force our kids to say, yes, I got to agree with this. And you know what? We're going to have to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, throw me in the furnace if you need to, but I will not bow the knee to that un- uh, false God. I think sometimes we have unintentionally given our kids a false impression. What do I mean by that? Let me explain that a little bit. Uh, Sunday school stories, right? Well, we've got our five-year-olds in there, you know, and, and we're trying to do a good job. And praise the Lord for Sunday school teachers and, and, and such. I learned so much from mine. This is not a slam on Sunday school teachers. Tr- trust me. This is something for all of us to think about. Many times when we tell uh, an account from the Bible or even a made-up story sometimes. You know, I remember listening to Children's Bible Hour when I was a little kid. I don't know if that's even around anymore. But, you know, Ranger Bill was on the radio years ago. And, man, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really reaching back. Uh, dramatized stories and things like that. Well, what happens is they're always solved by the end of the story. And even when we come to Scripture, we... We tend to tell the whole account and not stop at this point. And the reason that we do that is we're trying to show the young people, listen, if you obey God, if you obey God, things will turn out well. Things will turn out right. Now, that is a true statement in the sense that all things work together for good, right? Because God's in control. But does that mean we'll see that good ending this side of heaven? Not necessarily, right? So what we do sometimes is we have given our young people growing up a false impression. 
without meaning to. We're, we're, we're trying to give them the whole story. Hey, listen, God will be with you, and, and that's true. But I think we ought to park a little bit on this part of the, of the account because, listen, they were going to obey God whether or not God rescued them or not. And our young people are going to face tougher times than we ever had to. They already are. So we've got to tell them, listen, God may not rescue you from a situation. But yes, just like the fourth man in the fire, he'll go with you through the fire. We've got a God that will walk through the fire with us. That's why we don't have to be afraid. Listen, I, 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 I've got a daughter that's getting married. I say I, we, it's our daughter. <laughs> She's getting married uh, uh, this August. And uh, we've got an, a son that's a little older than her. And, and our, uh, our third son, because there's four of them, right? Uh, we just allowed him. He reached a certain age. And she reached a certain age. They're allowed to be boyfriend, girlfriend with parents' permission, you know, all this stuff. And uh, it gets us thinking, though, about the generation that may be coming in not too many more years, right? And sometimes the thought has gone in my head. I'm just admitting it to you. I'm thinking, wow, is it, do I want grandkids in this culture? You, you know what I mean? There's it, a fear there. Like what, what's the world going to look like when my grandson is 10 years old? I mean, I don't see how we're going to hold together as it is. But you know what? You know what the answer to that is? The answer to that is God's with them. God's with us. And see, we haven't been rearing our kids for the generation that we grew up in. We've been rearing our kids for the generation they're growing up in. And there's a difference there. I think we ought to be rearing our kids to be dragon slayers. <laughs> You say, wow, that's quite, a, that's quite an image. I love that image. You know, there's an old dragon. His name is Satan. And he wants to devour the souls of, 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 of anyone he can, especially the children. And boy, is he doing a good job of it. We want to rear our kids so that they can stand firm and, and stand with the shield of faith and the sword, which is the word of God, and stand in the teeth of the onslaught. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. This message is titled, But If Not. You know, we've got a lot of young people in here. Would you, you want me to finish the story? Yeah. All right. <laughs> a lot of times I don't. I, I kind of end there. But I read it with some expression. Why don't I finish it up? Because it is exciting. Isn't it? <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> Verse 19. By the way, there's nothing in Scripture that says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were disrespectful. You follow me? We, I, there's a lot of people, this is like a two-minute detour, okay, and then we'll get to this. Two-minute detour. There are a lot of people that I appreciate their heart. Uh, I wish that they would tone down some of the pride. You, you follow what I'm saying? They're good. They're well-meaning people, and, and as things disintegrate, I'm glad, you know, we're on the same side of things, if you know what I mean. But I wish that they would not be quite so arrogant. You follow what I'm saying? Like, there's certain things that I just, I'm not going to put on my vehicle. You, some of, if you know, you know, right? 
Because there's no indication here. They were like, guess what, O king? We're going to stand in your face. It doesn't say that. Right? They were respectful. They were just confident. All right, let's go. Well, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't like that. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times hotter, more than it was wont to be heat. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonied and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did, did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and king's counselors being gathered together saw those men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. <laughs> you know why I think Nebuchadnezzar made the decisions he did? Because there was someone else in his life by the name of Daniel. Now, before you wonder, where was Daniel in all this? If you study it out, you find that Daniel was probably in the gate because he, he had been elevated and elevated. He was probably in the gate. He was probably not at the worship service thing. But be that as it may, I finished the account tonight to remind us that if we end up in the furnace, whatever that furnace might be, God's there with us. Amen. In fact, I believe this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And uh, you study some Bible study and such, you'll find what those are, right? 
That's, that's what I believe it is. I think it was Jesus himself walking in the midst of the flames with them. Wow. But you know what? They never would have had the opportunity to experience the presence of God like they did had they not determined, but if not, we'll not, we'll not bow. We're going to serve God anyway. And you know what, friends, tonight, I really believe that each and every one of us need to make the choice in our hearts, God helping us, that we will not bow to the gods of this culture, that we will not bow when we are told that we have to go against the word of God. Because the time's coming, and in some places it's already here. We have friends up in Canada who are facing the closure of their churches and being uh, hauled off to prison because they will not bow to the political correct gods of the culture that tell them, hey, you cannot say there's only men and women. Our daughter is marrying the son of a pastor from Canada. And they're praying that he'll continue to be able to pastor because he's standing for the truth. They won't be surprised if one day, knock on the door, and it's his turn to go through the burning fiery furnace. Listen, friends, I don't know the future. I'm not a prophet. But I can say this. I don't have to worry about all that. I just need to determine in my heart, Lord, help me to be faithful. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. If we could have our pianist come to the piano. I want to ask you tonight, maybe you'd say, you know, Brother Ben, I needed that tonight. And by God's grace, I want to stand up in my heart before the Lord this evening and make that commitment. Lord, would you help me? It's not in our own strength. Of course, we'll fail. But you'd say, Brother Ben, before the Lord, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me to stand strong in the face of the gods of this culture. I won't point you out or embarrass you, but if that's you, you'd say, by God's grace, that's what I want to do tonight. Would you slip your hand up with me? Amen, amen, amen. Yes, amen. Yes, thank you. May I put those down. Folks of all ages, amen. Anyone else tonight? Yes, amen. I'm, uh, I'm half Norwegian. I say, why is that relevant? It's relevant because I don't like to make emotional decisions. So I recognize that some of us may want to go home, spend some time in prayer over the next few days and ask the Lord to work in our hearts. There's nothing wrong with that, friends. This is not pressure. This is just an opportunity. In a moment, pastor's going to come. We're going to stand to our feet and have a brief invitation. And I want to challenge you. If you want to make tonight that night where you make that commitment, I realize that many of you have probably already had a time where you've made that commitment. Amen. Amen to that. If you'd like to kind of replant that stake down, tonight can be that night. Folks, this isn't pressure. This is just opportunity to come before the Lord and say, Lord, would you help me to stand? If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, oh, make tonight the night you trust Him. Maybe you're here tonight or you're watching online or listening to rebroadcast of this, of this, uh, of this uh, service tonight. You need to just realize you're a sinner. Tell that to the Lord. Realize He died for you. Not just the world, but for you and your sin. He wants to forgive you. He rose again the third day, showing he's got power over sin, over death, over hell and the grave. And if you'll confess your sin to him and ask him to save you, he will tonight. Dear Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you will walk with us. Thank you for this example of these three young men. They couldn't have been very old, but they stood for the truth. Help us to do the same. In your name I pray. Amen. Pastor, you come.